Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 332. Have you sailed on an adventure the seas yet? Me neither. But our guest on today's episode recently returned from an eight-night Adventure of the Seas sailing, and he's sharing why he booked this cruise, what he did on shore, and on board in this week's episode. Here we go. With so many Royal Caribbean ships to consider these days, it can be somewhat overwhelming, especially in the wintertime, when a lot of ships return to North America after spending some time overseas. And today, we're actually talking about one of those ships that does, it goes it seems like all over the place, and that is Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas. And joining me on today's show is one of our podcast listeners, Kurt Pressure, joining us here from beautiful and exotic Maryland. Kurt, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Nice to be Hi. here. Absolutely. Glad to have you on here. And Kurt, I, I love this interview idea because you reached out to me and you told me that you went on Adventure of the Seas. Not terribly surprising you'd reach out to me about a cruise you just went on. But you said you began your email with me saying that you rediscovered cruising after several years. Can you talk a little bit about what brought you back, what took you away and what brought you back? Well, um, when my kids were younger, we sailed Disney. Um, I think we were in three different sailings. And I did not expect to like cruising. And when I was scheduling one, uh, a travel agent convinced me to do a seven night instead of the uh, toe in the water four night. And I just loved it. So after, after we'd done those, I found some bargain cruises on uh, Celebrity and we'd done on a Carnival. And then... Um, not long after that, we did a Mariner of the Sea cruise, and that was just above and beyond because of the promenade, which was really new at that time. So then I had a little bit of a gap and moved to the uh, Maryland area, sailed out of Baltimore on Enchantment when it was here on a temporary basis. Now it's coming back, I guess. Um, and so I, there was a bit of a gap in between that and a sailing on the lure in 2018. So I think we did the enchantment in 2010, roughly. Okay. So. Did it just make sense for you to come back to cruising? Like, were you just like, all of a sudden, like, we need a vacation and, oh yeah, there's this thing. I remember we liked cruising. Was it kind of <laughs> like that or was it, or was it more? Kind of, yeah, kind of like that. But we, we were relo relocated and, you know, the economy went bad. And so it, sure. it, there were a lot of factors that played into the, the lack of uh, vacations. So um, getting back into it, it just, for me, it seems like a good fit with my wife because she is not a night owl and then allows me to kind of stay out and not be a, a weirdo off, you know, listening <laughs> to some music on my own. So I enjoy that. Good. Well, mm. let's talk about why you chose Adventure of the Seas. Um, what was it? Was it the ship, the itinerary? What drew you to this particular cruise? Um, a few things. Um, one of them was I wanted something that sailed out of the U.S. Um, since, I mean, not a big risk of being snowed in, but I wanted something that I could drive to. So because it went out of Fort Lauderdale, that was a big plus. Uh, it went to the ABC Islands, and I'd never done that before. Um, the price was really attractive when I booked it. And then my daughter and her husband went with us, and it worked with their schedule. We booked way in advance. We were a year and a half out. That's great. I mean, that's the way to do it. And, uh, you know, it, that's what's great about Adventure of the Seas. It's a Voyager-class ship. Not the newest ship in the fleet by any means. Not a bad ship either. And some of those prices are really competitive, Kurt. I know when I was looking at 
what, what to do for Thanksgiving this year. Obviously, I ended up on Oasis of the Seas, but we did see there was, I think, pretty much the same itinerary adventure out of Fort Lauderdale, and it was an extra night and significantly cheaper. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you, it's it's hard to overlook sometimes that kind of a sailing because it's a great ship and a great itinerary, and for a great price, you know, it's 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 uh, it's one of those things where you got really got to think to yourself, okay, you know, what's what what's the most important thing to you? But uh, I think Adventure is a fabulous ship, so let's let's jump right into it. What kind of room did you book for this cruise? I booked uh, an ocean view um, room, and it it was the kind of the lowest of the category, but I. We booked so far in advance that I got a really odd room. It was a corner room right in the front. Um, so I actually had two portholes and kind of a pie-shaped room hmm. with a, with an angled front wall. I mean, we, you know, if when you look at the front of the ship and you see all the portholes in front, that's where we were. So actually the bathroom door didn't even quite open to full <laughs> open full width because it, it would bump into the, the slanted wall. But uh, it 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 offered a lot more space for the same kind of category I've been in before. Yeah, I love those little hidden rooms, if you will. I did a similar room on uh, Mariner of the Seas in September, and you know the the amount of space you can get if you find some of these rooms, like you said, for the price, fantastic options. Especially um for us, I mean, we've got kids, but just having you know breathing room, living space is really really nice. Yeah, I was I was uh, quite a a hero for a while until it got rougher water and then the front maybe wasn't such a great idea for my wife but uh at first she really enjoyed that uh that room and and after it smoothed out she appreciated it as well yeah and what kurt is alluding to and i've experienced this too kurt you're in you're in good company and people have stayed in that room during not so great weather is you know this is in generally true if the ship is rocking you'll feel the sensation of movement is a lot of times said to be more significant in the very front or the very end of the ship. Uh, and if you're in the literally in Kurt's room here, you're in the front of the ship. Uh, I certainly have experienced that uh, myself. Um, but, you know, one of, for me, when I look at the rooms, I can't assume whether one way or the other, you, there's no way to know definitively. So sometimes, you know, if the room makes sense and there's a great value to it, I, I roll the dice on it and, you know, you can um, you go, with the, go with the flow, so to speak. Uh, I uh, I enjoyed the room, but uh, based on the green factor in her face, that would probably go midship next time. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Which uh, so you mentioned you went to the ABC Islands, so I'm I'm assuming you went to just Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, or did you go anywhere else? No, that was that was the extent of the route. There weren't any other islands included with it. So yes, you're right, ABC. Well, this is very self-serving for me now because I'm going to the ABC Islands uh, at the end of this month. And this is one of the uh, Royal Caribbean blog group cruises. So I'm going to pick your brain now here, Kirk, because I'd love to hear what you did in each of the islands. Well, we started uh, backwards in uh, alphabetical order. We went to Curacao first, and we went to the Curacao Distillery uh, and, and enjoyed that tour. It's it's kind of a simple tour. There's a little bar at the end of it, and you, you know, just kind of relax and uh, have a few samples of what they what they uh, produce. And uh, we met some nice people that were also on our ship and had a good time. Um, so we, we cabbed up there and then went back to the shopping area, did a little bit of shopping and then headed back to the ship. Not nothing too strenuous that day. It was pretty warm though. So even, uh, even a little bit of walking was, uh, was enough that day. Nice. Yeah. The nice thing about Curacao is you could walk around downtown and just, 
kind of spend some time, like you said, just enjoying the weather, being outdoors, or you know, mm-hmm. shopping, dining, and what have you. How about Bonaire? Bonaire, we did something called woodwind um, snorkeling, which is uh, pretty well known based on what the reviews I've seen. And uh, that was uh, that was a, a lot of fun and uh, excellent value. I booked that outside of the ship uh, shore excursions, and um, it was uh, it was well rated on uh, on sites I almost every site I ever looked at, you know, TripAdvisor and whoever. Sure. Um, and they, and it was definitely uh, a, a nice trip to take. That the one thing that I w- kept weighing on me was that I booked the afternoon and the return time was four all aboard was 430 and I kept thinking of your advice but uh, they assured me and since we were the only ship there I I thought they got to have a pretty good plan to get us back so we rolled the dice and went with it so what time did you actually get back uh exactly at four and it was a very short walk back to the dock okay in fact we, we actually returned at a closer dock than where we'd uh, taken off. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. That still would have given me heart palpitations, but I'm glad that you were able to uh, to enjoy it. I mean, one of the, and what Kurt is alluding to is when we do shore excursions in general, um, I'm always a big fan of getting, especially when you're doing them on your own, um, getting back, to, planning to get back multiple hours ahead of time of when the all set, the set, set, set sail, the all aboard time is. And um, But, hey, it worked for you. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. And yeah, last, the, oh, go ahead. The interesting thing was we were really never out of sight of the ship, so I it, that gave me a little more confidence. Absolutely, Could have swam <laughs> <laughs> and and that that is a big factor. I mean, to me, it's like you know, if you were in Cozumel and you wanted to spend time at Margaritaville or in one of the things where you can literally run back to the ship and see it, it does give mm-hmm. you a little bit of solace that you're not like there's not a intermediary means of transportation that's going to block you, like traffic or you know, body of water or something like that. So that's good to know. Okay. And how about Aruba? Aruba, we uh, we I planned on doing a taxi tour. I didn't have anything set up. I just wandered out onto the onto the uh, dock, and uh, we started to talk to a cab driver. And there was a another couple that was um, out there as well, and looking kind of puzzled about what they were going to do. And we ended up uh, suggesting they join us, and we spent the day uh, driving around and checking out sites, which was a, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed. There was only four of us, and we went to the uh, there's some rock formations, and because the uh, we had a well traveled cab driver that um, lived all over the place, including um, Georgia and the U.S. Hmm. And, and and knew not not only spoke very good English but could do accents within <laughs> could do southern accents. So, I mean, it, it was no problem understanding him. And he'd grown up in Aruba, so he was describing how he played in these rock formations when he was a kid, and that was that was a lot of fun. That's cool. I, I love when things like that kind of come together. You know, you didn't have it planned necessarily, and you know, and and obviously, but to have it. Really, you know, you met the, these folks from your cruise ship. You got to en- meet a great cab driver and a, a, a wonderful tour on top of all that. Seems like a great way to spend the day in, in Aruba, certainly. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Nice. Let's go back to the ship now. And we talked about the room you already booked. How about dining? What was your approach for dining on Adventure of the Seas? Um, we just did the di- main dining room, my wife and I did. And like I mentioned, I traveled with my daughter and her husband. They did a couple of specialty restaurants, and they really enjoyed those. 
I was I was very happy with the main dining room. We did have a um, we had a problem with our table initially. There was a there was a theme cruise on this uh, sailing. There were a, about a third of the ship was a '50s music uh, group, and so I guess the ship tried to accommodate them and squeeze some of the rest of us out. So we ended up at a six top table with seven people, kind of looking at each other at one point. Um, but but it all got resolved, and the table that we had assigned was eventually assigned to just the four of us. So that worked out fine. So, you know, the, on the first day you kind of meet your wait staff and you get your preferences down that got a little skewed more towards the second day, but we definitely had a great wait staff and uh, really enjoyed the, uh, the main dining room. We were right by a, right by a window. So we, you know, watched nice. out the, you know, at the, at the water while we were eating. It was great. What was your uh, favorite thing you ate in the dining room? Is there anything a dish that stuck out? Well, I I definitely like the lobster tails, um, <laughs> and uh, and I make a point after getting some tips from you about ordering Indian food, and so when when we finally got that hooked up, that was uh, I was all in on that. Nice. Yeah, it's, it gets kind of embarrassing for me because <laughs> I'll order, you know, like oh, there's an entree or two that look interesting, and I always forget that the Indian curry dish is coming because it's a standing order and then you end up with like three or four entrees and I'm like well it'd be rude for me not to eat all this so here we go <laughs> it, always come, it always comes a little later too so you do yeah. kind of forget about it <laughs> and then here it comes here it comes yep. so. <clears throat> that's great uh, how about the entertainment what did you do for fun on board adventure uh, we did most of the shows I can't think of one we didn't do um, and uh, spent a lot of time in the pub there was a oh, guitar yes. player there that uh, was was pretty good and uh, kind of had some uh, mutual history with my um, son-in-law and his brother. Um, so it was uh, it was kind of interesting seeing her playing and uh, understanding what her background was. So that was that was kind of cool. There was a really good uh, piano player in the schooner bar. And man, he got such a crowd that it was tough to get in there at times. Um, so at, there was there was plenty to do. I, we went to the ice show. I don't even know what else to tell you. Love and marriage. <laughs> I mean, uh, we hit it all. You hit it all. Nice. Yeah. So well, let me ask you this. You know, with uh, how many? You must have had at least, with eight night cruise, three ports. So you had a fair amount of sea days there. Was did you feel eight nights was a nice mix for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the worst nights are always the, uh, or the worst days are always the embarkation day and debarkation days, right? Yep, so absolutely. Um, just putting more days in between there is definitely a good thing to do. So I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, look forward to the end of it. So I, I anything longer than uh, seven days is all right with me. There you go. I like it. Well, you know, Kurt, since it's your first time on the podcast here, I like to always get to know our guests a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions here. Just give me the first answer that comes to your mind. Is that all, is that all right? Yeah. All right. Uh, since this is, since you sailed on Adventure of the Seas, what's your best tip for someone going on Adventure of the Seas for their first time? Well, I went to something called uh, Singer's Cabaret, and I I know it's offered on other ships. I, I did a similar thing on the lure where the entertainers from the show um, just do like a, a, well, just I guess just what's described as a cabaret where they, where they sing selections that they want to sing. 
And those tend to be a little more up to date than what's in the show. And I, 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 that's just fantastic. I mean, they have such range that really doesn't get brought out entirely within the show format. So seeing this informal format is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Was this the cat? This is the cast of like the of the shows in the theater. Is that right? Yeah, the production shows. Yeah. So there was I, two uh, two women singers and one man, and they they were just they could belt it out and and really interesting song selections. It's one of my favorite things to see on a ship. Usually on ships, it's it sometimes the name of it is very vague. I know you mentioned like the cabaret or something. A lot of cases, yeah. it's like it's so and so, whoever the musical director is, and friends. Which doesn't, if you read, they're like, okay, I don't know who his friends are. I don't want to. <laughs> doesn't really sound that interesting. <laughs> but it's basically the musical director playing piano and these talented singers singing whatever they want. Almost always the show tunes, but it really does. To your point, what you said earlier, Kurt. It, it's it's amazing to see their range and how talented they are, and you know, especially like the ones who are maybe just backup dancers or you know, or just you know, or backup singers. People who don't aren't necessarily the star of the show. They really are all talented in in many different ways, and it's really cool to see that and kind of see them perform what they're really interested in singing. You know? Yeah, and you're right about the the vague description because it wasn't really highlighted. And I actually walked up to the cruise director and said, "Is this really? You know, this is I've experienced this before. Is that what it's called?" Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, that's it." Oh, it's it's, it's not advertised very well. It would yeah. be good if uh, if you let people know. And there was plenty of room. It was done in uh, the Imperial Lounge, which had a fair amount of seating, and it was sparsely attended, I, I would say. Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Um, well, we really did the main dining room for the most part. I did a few pieces of pizza and Cafe Promenade. Oh, I did do a burger and Johnny Rockets. So um, I, I, I was very satisfied. I tried to do as many meals there as I could, breakfast and lunch included. Nice. How about your preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? Oh, boy. Had a lot of those. I had the drink package. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I did a lot of the uh, – I did uh, – Miami Vice you can't really beat, but after a while the fruity drinks get a little um, tiring, so – it was good to to do something a little different than that, and I ended up drinking some uh, dark rum on the rocks, and I, I kind of enjoyed that. I hadn't really done that before. Fantastic. Felt right on the ship. There you go. How about favorite port of call to visit? Um, boy, that's a tougher one. <laughs> I always liked um, I always liked St. Martin. Yes. It's been a while since I've been there, but it, it, that's that's interesting place. And lastly, what's your favorite song on the radio or your phone today? Oh, I I was ready for that one. I've heard you ask that before. I like the Black Keys Go, which is a newer track. Oh, I haven't heard that one. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, awesome. it's, a, it's a pretty jumpy new album. and that That's one of the tracks off of it. And Kurt, you're going to be the inaugural person to ever answer this question. What is your next Royal Caribbean cruise? Oh, I've got one coming up. Um, we are going on Anthem of the Seas in February, Ooh, and that is Anthem. that is as close as I've ever strung one together. So we're pretty excited about that. Fantastic, and well, it's drivable. That's the best part, right? It's some, there's something so liberating about like not having to worry about not just booking flights, but just the flight in general. Like you just oh no, just put it in the back, whatever you want, honey. You want another 
another bag? Sure, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it can fit in the car. That's absolutely right. Awesome. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us here on the Royal Green Blog Podcast. Thank you. All right, friends, time to answer some of your listener emails. These are the emails that have been sent to me to be answered right here on this podcast. And you can always send me your emails by sending it to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, M-A-T-T at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week is from John Jankowski, who writes, Hi, Matt. Thanks for all you do. I have a question. My wife and I are at 27 Days with Crown and Anchor Society. It's been suggested that we take a short three-day cruise to get to the next level of Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society. My question is, is it worth it? Also, we live in New Jersey and it's easy to get to Cape Liberty. We're really wanting to go on Anthem of the Seas out of Bayonne. Should we just book it or do a three-nighter so that way we can get a better deal on the cruise we want? John, great question. And here's what I will tell you, dude. When it comes to booking a cruise purely for the sake of moving up in Crown and Anchor Society, I don't think it's a great idea. Look, I don't ever need an excuse to book another Royal Caribbean cruise. You don't have to twist my arm for it. So look, if you got the money and everything's fine, sure, why not? But I think booking another cruise purely to move up to the next level isn't as lucrative or RO, there's not really an ROI on that. I don't think it's really worth it in the grand scheme of things. I think you should book cruises you truly want to go on and the, your Crown and Anchor Society status and what level you're at and when you move up should be secondary. I just don't think it's quite as important. It's nice to have, and certainly as a Diamond Plus member, there are some nice benefits to uh, the status I enjoy, and even when you get up to Diamond itself, but again, I don't think that the benefits, the lucrative uh, options available to you as an incentive when you move up to the next level are going to offset certainly the cost of that three-night cruise. Now again, if you're saying, Matt, I just, I'm looking for an excuse to book another cruise, hey, I am all about enabling that, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that booking a cruise purely to move up in the system, I think is a bit of a mistake. So good luck, John. Let me know what you end up choosing over there. Our next email is from PJ in Houston, Texas, writes, been catching up on podcasts just today, listening to the wrap-up episode from the Anthem of the Seas Royal Caribbean blog group cruise in July. In that episode, you said, quote, there's still time to sign up for the Freedom Group Cruise unless you're listening to this episode in November, in which case it's already passed. Well, today is November 1st, so I turned to my wife and said, he's talking to me. Keep up the great work on the show. Been on several cruises, but only one Royal Caribbean so far. Looking forward to more and getting great info from you. PJ, thanks so much for the email, and it's funny. Oftentimes, I've done this before where I only just randomly throw out a date in the future, and then somebody sends me an email, I'm like, hey, I just heard that one. There you go. If only I could do that with winning lottery numbers, then everything would be better. Next, we have an email from Matt M. Who writes, thanks for your great guidance. We finally completed our first ever cruise to New England and Canada, leaving from Boston. I believe this is your group cruise next year, and hope the cruise company I've attached will help you out. Of the two parking locations, the one next door to the terminal is definitely the best as you can walk to the terminal from there. It's $30 a day at this time. Royal site seems to push the offsite parking at $25, but it's a five minute bus ride to the terminal. We live in Connecticut and we're going to Bar Harbor for the first time. When you head there, especially if the colors are starting, take a ride to the top of Cadillac Mountain. Should be on the list unless the weather is bad. So many fellow cruisers never made the trip and were regretting after hearing about it. It is the highest point on the Eastern Seaboard, about 1,530 feet, and the first location in the United States to get sunlight. It also offers nice views of the town and a distant view of your ship. Can share a few old pictures if curious. In Halifax, the all things Canadian tour was good, but a lot of seat time in, in the coach. We took it. The 10 things tour, so we heard, sounded much better. Thanks again for all you do. Matt, thank you so much for sharing the tips and advice, especially about what to do or not to do in both Halifax and uh, Bar Harbor. And of course, the parking advice. 
while I don't think I'll be parking a car there because I don't live there anymore, I'm sure there's gonna be some helpful stuff for other folks who are taking a cruise out of Boston. And I agree when it comes to, in, in principle here, when you're going to a cruise port and you're driving your own car, always park at whatever facility is closest to the port, whatever is easiest, especially if you can avoid any kind of bus ride or shuttle ride. Trust me, when, especially on the last day when you're getting off the ship and you just want to go home, the last thing you want to do is get on a bus with a bunch of other depressed people whose cruise is over. And yeah, it's just it just adds more time to something you just simply want to get over. So Matt, thank you for the information there. I'm going to make a mental note to refer back to this episode when I start planning my Brilliance of the Seas 2020 group cruise, which by the way, since Matt brought it up, I will take this opportunity to shamelessly plug it. Yeah, we actually have a 2020 group cruise on Brilliance of the Seas out of Boston visiting some of the ports Matt just talked about over there, Bar Harbor, Maine, Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I think there's another port in there as well. So it's a Canadian cruise. I've never done this before. Uh, and I would love for you to come join me for it, whether you've sailed this itinerary or not. It's gonna be a lot of fun. This will be in October, 2020. More details about our group cruise over at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. So thank you, Matt, for the opportunity to shamelessly plug. And of course, the good information there. Always appreciated. Next up, we have an email from Marianne who writes, thank you for your informative podcast, which I only recently became aware of. It is most helpful. I would be grateful for your advice regarding shore excursion sales you mentioned in a previous episode. My sister and I are booked on seven night Greek Isle cruise on Rhapsody of the Seas in May, 2020. Initially, we plan to stagger our shore excursion purchases one per month, but then I heard you mention on occasional shore excursion sales up to 30% off. It seems like these sales occur two to three times a year. Is that correct? If so, when would you expect the next sale to be and how would I find out about it? At present, I'm searching online each day, but I'm only getting the sites of previous ones and out-of-date sales. Thanks also for the tip I listened to today. I was likely to purchase the key, but probably will not now based on your advice. My sister and I live in Australia and we're both very excited about our cruise next year. Thank you for accepting my email and I hope you have some advice for you. Absolutely, Marianne. So there are generally cruise planner sales every few weeks, Marianne. You're not wrong on that. You're, you're reading the correct thing. The thing is, Marianne, there's no way to know definitively if a sale is going to benefit you or not. And I certainly understand the idea of what you're doing, you know, staggering purchases, spreading out the cost. I do that as well, Marianne. Here's what I would recommend you do. I would have a spreadsheet and that you could start up with your shore excursion plans, right? So you figure out what you want to do and you start booking them, Marianne, right? Now, prices will vary in a lot of cases like drink packages, internet, but shore excursions tend not to be that volatile. They tend to be pretty standard. On occasion, you will see a cruise planner sale that comes out there. And what I do every time there is one, Marianne, I post about it at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So if you are already following the regular posts I do on there, whether you get alerted to it by you know Facebook or Twitter or via the daily email blast, you'll be able to keep track of what's going on there because the cruise planner sales are multiple days and that should give you enough time in order to check against your spreadsheet if any of the prices have changed. If they do, yeah, definitely book that and lock in the price. Now, for shore excursions, I, I don't think it's as lucrative as, as drink packages to say, okay, you should go book them all right now. Like for a drink package, yes, I do think that is that important because the prices can change and they can go up. Shore excursions don't seem to move quite as often. And it's not to say that when there is a cruise planner sale, Marianne, that all excursions are on sale. Usually it's only a couple of them and uh, it's, it's impossible to know ahead of time which they will be. So I feel like if you're gonna roll the dice and follow your, your strategy here of doing one per month, I actually don't think that's a bad idea from a shore excursion standpoint, but you definitely want to, every time there is a cruise planner sale, 
time out, look at what's available compared to what the price was before in your spreadsheet. And then obviously if you have to make an additional purchase, take advantage of a lower price, then you can go for it. But again, I, I wanna temper your expectations when it comes to the shore excursion sales. In my experience, they're not nearly as lucrative as some of the other discounts that can be had. Sometimes they are, you never know, but you know, just wanna put that expectation out there. Next up, we have an email from Daniel from Germany. He writes, thanks for the great work on the podcast. I just reached Diamond Status and I have a question. What I know is, is there are complimentary drinks every night? Is that correct? Are there any restrictions on the drinks? That is correct, Daniel. Thank you for the email. As a Diamond member, every evening, you can go to the Diamond Lounge, Daniel, and enjoy actually unlimited drinks from a certain time. Usually it's like uh, 4.30 p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. And you can go to the Diamond Lounge and have a choose from a select menu of drinks to enjoy. In addition to that, you can also go to any bar or lounge or even restaurant on board the ship. Let them know you have a Diamond, your Diamond member, and get up to three drinks per night in addition to whatever you get at the Diamond Lounge. And there is a restricted menu. Yeah, there's only a certain set of liquors. There's no frozen drinks. There's not every single type of beer. There's not every single type of liquor. But, you know, for most basic drinks like rum and cokes, uh, tequila sunrise, Bloody Mary, you can have these. And considering they're complimentary, it's a great deal. And I think one of the most lucrative and best customer loyalty options that any cruise line offers. Because quite frankly, I am not aware of another cruise line that offers this level of customer loyalty where you get as a reward free alcohol every evening of the cruise and the quantities that you can certainly enjoy there. It's pretty darn good. So yes, Daniel, look for a letter in your stateroom when you get on board the ship. You'll be from the Diamond Concierge and in there they'll list out all your benefits, including how the drinks work every evening. So enjoy those. It's a wonderful and favorite thing to enjoy. Next, we have an email from Tom Horner from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Hello, Matt. Following our next cruise will be in January 2020 aboard Grandeur of the Seas. I was thinking about booking a cruise sail out of Port Canaveral. However, instead of flying to Florida, I was thinking about driving from our home in South Central Pennsylvania. Can you tell me if I should be concerned about finding a parking space or is there ample parking? Also the same for Cape Liberty. I know you sailed from there earlier this year and I'm concerned about the parking and traffic congestion. I wouldn't worry about the parking at all, Tom, uh, in either port. I've never encountered any issues there. I wouldn't even consider that being an issue. So Tom, absolutely. Uh, you should have no issues or, or concerns, I should say, with parking at the port. I mean, look, worst case scenario, Tom. I mean, let's worst case scenario. For some strange reason, the parking garages or lots in both Cape Liberty and or Port Canaveral are full. Not to worry. There is ample offsite parking at third-party providers. And a simple Google search, you pull over to the side of the road, you know, pull up your phone, go to Google, go to Yelp, type in, you know, parking and I'm sure you'll find some great choices there for you. So the bottom line is there's just nothing to worry about that you would ever get to the cruise port and not have a place to park your car within a reasonable amount of distance. And Tom also writes, finally, Matt, in response to your recent video about things one must do on a Royal Caribbean cruise, though we've only sailed on five with Royal Caribbean, I make sure I have a beer or drink of the day in the Viking Crown Lounge next to a window. I really enjoy the view of the pool and surrounding ocean. Thanks again for your time and smooth sailing on your upcoming cruises. Tom, thanks so much for the tip. And uh, dude, I agree. There's nothing like having a great drink, especially maybe even on the first day of your cruise, by a window, watching the ocean go by. It's very relaxing. And one of those really reassuring moments where you kind of say to yourself, yeah, I'm on a cruise now. You know, it becomes real, if you will. Next, we have an email from Zach. Who writes, hey, Matt, long time listener, but this is my first time writing in. Wanted to ask a question, but also maybe give you a little tidbit for the podcast. 
I booked a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise out of Port Canaveral on Oasis of the Seas for my honeymoon. The cruise was in September 2018, and I booked the cruise within days of the sailing being released. Initially, I said, what the heck, it's my honeymoon, and I booked a Crown Loft Suite. After coming to my senses, I backed down to a Grand Suite due to the cost. I booked all my excursions and onboard activities via the cruise planner, no travel agent. I had a great Royal Caribbean rep named Chris who was super helpful. What happened next is strange part, which is where the question comes in. I know the Crown and Anchor program is one point per sailing per night in standard rooms, but I've been on a handful of Royal Caribbean cruises as a minor with my family well over 15 years ago, and I was a gold member with about 23 points prior to making the above reservation. I logged into the cruise planner, obsessively as I do, and at some point before the sailing, I saw I had 230 points and was now Diamond Plus. From this point forward, I kept my mouth shut. A few weeks prior to our sailing, I got a call from Royal Caribbean offering a stateroom upgrade. I got an owner suite for $400 total upgrade. Yes, please. They said, we see here you're a Diamond Plus member and it's your honeymoon. I again kept my mouth shut and accepted the upgrade and we embarked on the trip of our lives. To my knowledge, the above recent events all took place, so only my assumption can be that it was a system error. Have you ever heard of this happening before? Do you think Royal Caribbean caught the error and left it because it was their mistake if they found out what they, the reaction would be? After returning from our sailing, my wife received her pin in the mail, welcome her to the Crown and Anchor Society as a Diamond Plus member. We also booked another cruise while on board with two friends of ours that have never cruised before, so I anticipate they will enter Crown and Anchor as Diamond Plus as well after the sailing. I consider myself to be a Royal Caribbean fanatic like yourself, and I have never seen anything like this before on any forums or channels. I feel like it's something they would definitely want to correct considering the perks that accompany the status. As of the time of this email, I have 230 points. Thanks to this fluke, I will definitely hit Pinnacle before I'm 50. I'm nearly 30 now. I wonder who the youngest Pinnacle member is. Anyway, thank you for taking the time to read this email and play into my curiosity. So Zach, thanks for the email. It's a very interesting situation because as you mentioned, you've only taken a handful of cruises there. And even if you, the cruises you took as a kid, uh, and you mentioned you had a handful of them. I don't know what that means. I'm assuming five or less as a minor. You know, uh, unless you were going on round the world cruises that were just, you know, it's it, it sounds like an error. Actually, I have heard of this before. Good friend of mine had a similar situation where they were incorrectly upgraded to Diamond. It wasn't Diamond Plus, it was just Diamond. Uh, I forget the circumstances around it, but essentially it boiled down to their, the, the husband was incorrectly set as Diamond and the spouse was not. That was kind of the weird thing about this. And they wrote it out for a little bit but it ended up causing more problems than it solved because the spouse was always not diamond and they were not accruing points at the right pace. And essentially what they ended up doing on one sailing was going to the loyalty ambassador on board and saying, look, I don't know what's going on, but we've been incorrectly set at the status. We do, although we love being at the status, it's kind of messing some things up. So we want to be on the, all on the same page. And they did fix it. And yes, they did take away some of those points uh, corresponding to that. Um, it does, based on everything I'm hearing from you, Zach, it does sound like that it's a mistake. And I would be curious after your next sailing, again, if you're still accruing points or if it's not. And of course, if you and your wife are at the same status or not. The bottom line is you might want to go to loyalty ambassador on board a ship and let them know, hey, look, something's going on here. I mean, it's not your fault. You're not like stealing anything. You're not like, this isn't your fault. Like you didn't, you know, hack the system. It's their system not working correctly. And you, again, I would think in the grand scheme of things, especially to be able to take advantage of the full benefits you enjoy, as well as being invited to certain things, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you might want to consider taking care of that sooner than later um, to remedy the situation. But again, uh, I'm not familiar with all, I mean, it is possible that it's legit. Again, I don't know your entire status there, uh, your cruising history. I know you mentioned some of that stuff, but 
um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm the type of person who just like errs on the side of caution and would be like, look, let's just get this taken care of to make sure everything's on the up and up. And that's what I would do. Uh, but I can certainly understand where you're coming from there, Zach. And I appreciate the email. It's an interesting question. One we have not tackled over here. Next email is from Cruz and Susan. He writes, in the middle of the night, I thought of an idea for a podcast. I thought it would be very interesting if you could interview someone who has done classes on transatlantic cruises. When we did it at Harmony Transatlantic, there were classes for watercolors and knitting. I would love to know how they get things like the position, what are the perks of that, how many people they plan for, etc., and so forth. Susan, thanks for the email. It's a really interesting question. Of course, on certain sailings, especially longer sailings or more exotic sailings, you will get a, a different activities on board that are led by non-Royal Caribbean crew members to go over certain specialized activities. There, there are history courses, there are art courses that Susan referred to, watercolors and knitting as an example. Uh, there's a variety of, there's lectures on the ports you're about to visit. It's kind of interesting. Now we got on Caribbean itineraries, not so much, but if you ever go to Alaska, if you go to Europe, if you're doing a longer selling, a transatlantic, like Susan is talking about here, you may have this opportunity because Royal Caribbean is looking for ways to kind of fill in some of the gaps of, of programming because especially on longer selling, like a transatlantic, you can't run the usual seven night offerings. So they have more demand for that. And that's a really interesting. I, I don't know anyone like firsthand that is of this person because they are not employees of Royal Caribbean. And I'm sure there's some sort of, you know, work benefit that they get from this, whether it's free cruise fare, reduced fare, onboard credit. In some cases, they just, I think some people just simply want to share. I've even seen dance instructors on ships offer. I remember one sailing, I forget which sailing it was. There was at some point, like in the middle of the cruise, the cruise director was making an announcement like, oh, by the way, we're going to offer a special dance class because one of the guests on board is a professional trainer or something like that and offered it for everybody else who wants to join. So you never know. And in situations like that, I don't think they got anything out of it other than, of course, the satisfaction of being able to share their passion with others. So um, yeah, if I ever run across someone who fits that description, Susan, I think that'd be a really fun opportunity to talk about and share the experience on how that all works. And by the way, if you are in a sailing that, that has one of these options and a, a lecture, uh, an in-depth option, you should definitely check it out. It's really cool, very different. And again, a really fun thing to do on a cruise. It's more than just hanging by the pool. We have time for one more email, one more. And it is from Razor Ray, AKA Raymond Leach, who is also a Royal Caribbean blog insider. Thank you, Ray, for your support. And Ray writes, my new favorite ship. I just wanted to share a few thoughts on my most recent cruise on the 2019 President's Cruise aboard Symphony of the Seas. The new terminal in Miami was beautiful and a quick embarkation. However, the arrival in the new terminal was far from beautiful or easy. I'm not sure why, but the design of the traffic flow seems to make no sense from a bottleneck standpoint. And the arrival to our very crowded departure that took our shuttle 45 minutes to pick us up all through the taxis, ride chairs, and other shuttles all sharing the same pickup location. We had an ocean view balcony and loved the new layout with closets between the beds that made for extra space and even more room to store our clothes and other articles. The nightlight in the restroom was a nice added feature with the large sofa made it feel like home. Since this was Royal Green's 50th anniversary cruise, there were amazing gifts left in our room every night. We always ran back to the room after dinner to see what the gift was next. We uh, tried all the complimentary restaurants on board and were so impressed with the multitude of options for breakfast to lunch to dinner. Coco Key was truly an amazing experience that was capped off with world-class fireworks show. I could go on for much longer about this cruise, but in the interest of saving time, I will say this. I will not wait another four years to cruise on another Oasis-class ship, as I forgot just how much you get out of this class. Symphony is currently my favorite ship, and my love for Royal Caribbean has grown even stronger. Right, thanks for the email, and I'm glad to hear you love Symphony of the Seas. It is a fabulous ship. 
As to Terminal A in Miami with the traffic and everything like that, I have noticed this as well with, there can be some significant delays in vehicles getting into the terminal. Part of it, you have to understand, Ray, is there's a, it's a very limited footprint. Royal Caribbean, when they built Terminal A, couldn't say, okay, we're gonna you know expand and, and take over a ton of space. There's only a limited amount of space available because Terminal A, like all the terminals in Port Miami are on an island called Dodge Island. And you know they have the space that Terminal A occupies and around it, you're really surrounded by a lot of cargo areas, basically land that's owned by other people and not easily purchasable. So they're a little limited there in terms of what options they have. And I have encountered these type of situations where there is a lot of traffic. I think in Terminal A in Miami, first and foremost, you should get there earlier than later. I would definitely recommend getting to the terminal closer to 10 a.m. than even 11 a.m. because of this issue. Likewise, if you are concerned about timing and getting out of Terminal A when your cruise is over to get to the airport or back wherever, um, you definitely want to be among the first people off the ship. As an example, when I got off the Oasis of the Seas last week, I we disembarked pretty early. I think it was about... 7, 7.30 a.m. I think it was closer to 7 a.m. And we had no issues getting out of there. The, the, the customs process was very easy. We walked right over to the, our car in the parking garage, drove out, no problems whatsoever. And I didn't see any real significant traffic in the terminal. But other people that waited a little longer because they weren't in a rush or what have you reported some of those issues that, Ray, you have experienced yourself. And so again, if timing is an issue for you in Port Miami, in Terminal A, I would recommend, again, getting there early, uh, again, closer to 10 a.m. for check-in. And then, of course, when the cruise is over, being amongst the first to walk off. Even if you are uh, not taking your own luggage, you know, you want to be getting earlier, lower numbers, you can be among the first to get off the ship and try to beat the crowds that way. It might be your best shot over there. Ray, thanks for the email. Thanks to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Until next week, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.